Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Michael Russin, coming at you live from Mayville, New York. Well, it's not live when you're listening to this, but I'm in Mayville, New York. Squizzies. Uh, <laughs> on my way to the gym. It is the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, it's very gloomy. This town's very gloomy sometimes. So it, so it, the town flip-flops. It's like, and you know, this is where I grew up. In the summer, it's just absolutely beautiful. And it fills with people. And then, you know, come fall, you know, everybody, all the tourists leave. This is a big tourist destination on the lake. All the tour, tourists leave. Um, it's funny, you know, like when you grow up in a lake town, like you didn't realize that you grew up in a lake town until you leave for a while. And then you visit other lake towns, and you're like, oh, <laughs> I live in a tourist destination. Like, you just never, you never think about that till you leave, right? But anyways, so, uh, yeah, in the, in the fall, everybody leaves. It gets real quiet and dark. It's very cloudy here in the fall and winter. Um, they don't get a whole lot of, notice Pennsylvania and western New York is very cloudy. Now that I live in Maine. <laughs> like I never realized how much cloud coverage there is here like Maine it's usually sunny it could be cold it'll rain for a little bit or it'll snow for a little bit but it's very rare uh, in Maine where, you, where you'll wake up and it's cloudy and you go to bed and it stay cloudy all day that's very rare that's very common uh, in Pennsylvania and western New York um, and I would imagine central New York as well um, very common I think Ohio's like that this whole part of the country is uh, very gray year-round. It's not like Seattle, you know, by any means. But anyways, you know, I uh, stopped by the gas station to get my energy drink. And you just see all the familiar faces that have been, you know, like there's guys that sit across the gas station. And uh, there's like a lot there that faces the water. And these guys sit there and they smoke cigs and they drink coffee and they read newspapers and they wait for the bar to open. And then they go to the bar. There's one bar in town and they go to the bar. And just every time I come home, I see those same guys sitting there every time, same time, every day. They're always there between six and seven o'clock in the morning. Like I said, smoking cigs with the windows up, drinking coffee, reading the newspaper. Uh, and then once once that bar opens across the street, they're there. Um, so it's like a cathartic isn't the word. It's like um, I have a lot of like I have to do some internal work um, when it comes to how I feel about this area. It's very strange. Like, I had a great upbringing, um, and I had a lot... It's almost... It, I don't know what it is. It's... I wish I would have smoked less weed when I was in high school and college. You know, I spent a lot of my... You know, my... When I was 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, all I did was really smoke weed with my friends. We'd smoke weed and go hide in somebody's house somewhere and watch, like, weird things on the internet, which, you know, some kids go through that phase... But when I drive through here, I like, I don't know. The, the one thing I don't want to have when I die is regrets. And 
I think about that a lot, and I think about the things that I do regret in my life. And, you know, smoking weed for three, four years straight is one of my biggest regrets. Um, I just feel like I didn't do anything, and I don't remember much of three to four. I don't touch weed at all now. I don't, I haven't smoked weed, and I think I smoked a little bit when we got, when we first moved to Maine, um, three, four years ago, four years ago, and uh, I haven't touched it since, because it's legal in Maine. Like, it was just cool to be able to go into a shop, you know, and not have to meet some dude in a parking lot who you know is going to rip you off, you know what I mean? It was, like, cool to go to, like, an actual store and buy it, but, um, yeah, I don't smoke anymore, but that's a big regret of mine. How my high school wrestling career turned out is probably my biggest regret. You know, I hurt my, I've well, junior year I broke my leg right at the end of the season, which sucked. Senior year, I, you know, I was smoking a lot of weed. I wasn't, I wasn't mentally, I was very mentally weak. And uh, I got hurt again and very out of character for me. I basically gave up on the season. I hurt my wrist really bad, and I should have wrestled through it, and I didn't, you know, and, and what had happened was at a big tournament, this, you know, uh, this year's my senior year, I'm probably, I'm supposed to win states, and I got dealt a really tough loss at this big tournament called STOA, I, I don't ever talk about this because it's such a deep regret of mine, I got Delta, I think I lost two to one. It was a bloodbath. Uh, this kid's name was Carmen, I think he was. big. To me, he was a big jack kid. Like, he, he'd cut a lot of weight for it. And uh, I'd never wrestled, I think he was from Salamanca. And I'd never wrestled him before, and uh, I lost to him two to one, which that's a heartbreaking loss in wrestling. And I can remember running out of the arena like a little girl sobbing. And I went and found this quarter. My mom came and found me. And I was just like bawling. I was so upset. Because to me that was the end of my season. If I couldn't beat this kid. I couldn't win. States. You know what I mean? I'd get stopped at sectionals. By him or somebody that beat him. You know because he wasn't even the best. He was probably third best. And I was fourth best after that. So um. Nobody ever taught me. One of the things that I'm going to make sure I spend time with my kids on is nobody ever taught me how to think. My dad did instill in us, you know, wrestling's never quit. That was something that we heard growing up over and over and over again. We don't quit. But, and I can remember at the tail, when that loss happened to me, I can remember one of my coaches giving me a book about it was like big dog thinking or something like that it was for wrestlers but it was like already too late i'd give it up on the season i couldn't wrap my head around i guess when you put in so much work and you get beat it's like it's almost like what's the point you know why work any harder go and i i gave up which again people hearing this now would probably never like if my wife were to hear me tell this story she probably it would make sense to her, you know, because I don't ever quit now. Um, but nobody had ever taught me how to think. Nobody ever taught me that hey, loss even after you work hard, failure even after you work hard is a necessary part of the process. It's going to happen. Nobody ever told me you can come back, 
work your ass off the rest of the season and beat this kid. We can do it. Nobody ever pulled me aside and had that conversation, which is why this area of the country doesn't breed very many champions because there's no championship thinking around here. Small town. Like I can remember football. We were never taught. No, nobody ever said, like our coach never said in football, we're going to win states this year. It was like, we're going to have a, a winning record this year. We're going to beat Maple Grove this year. It was never, we're a state championship football team. We never had that conversation. There's no, that's why, man, your your environment and the type of people that you're around is so freaking important. So important. I didn't start to get that edge until I left college and joined life insurance and got around a couple of millionaires, one in particular, my old mentor. And when I started getting around these millionaires and I started listening to people that they were telling me to listen to, like Grant Cardone, uh, you know, Jocko, you know, these guys, high, 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 high level achievers in different areas of business and life, it, I, that's where I, the, the switch flipped. And I dominated the insurance game for many years through many obstacles. Because I was, it doesn't take, I'm, you know, I don't mean to be arrogant. I'm extremely intelligent. <laughs> I've got a very high IQ. I think it's like 137 or something like that, 135. You know, I learn very quickly. It doesn't take a lot for me to learn how to do something. And if it makes sense, it clicks quick. Nobody ever had that conversation with me. I don't know, maybe I'm a little angry. You know, maybe uh, when I when I drive through my town, I, I, I think I get angry at this little sleepy town, you know, because in it I see a reflection of my failures. I see a reflection of my shortcomings in life. I guess when I get mad at the town, I get mad at myself, right? Um... I'm very hypercritical of myself, uh, and it's tough sometimes. It's really tough on me because I'm always, you'll never, that's why people can't hurt my feelings. People, there's nothing that anybody could say to me that could like hurt my feelings. Nobody, nobody, you know what I mean? You know, my wife were to stab me in the back and leave tomorrow, which she would never do, but she did. I'd be very upset. I'd be very sad, but I would get over it. I don't want to say I would get over my wife very quickly, but I just, I, I, I'm so, I'm so calloused and scarred at this point in my life. I'm so, my heart is so calloused and scarred. My mind is calloused and scarred. I've been through the ringer. And if I'm not going through the ringer from external forces, I'm going through the ringer internally. I can't, this is why people, they laugh at me because I can't sit still, I can't relax, I can't, I, it's because I'm always at war with myself, always. And I think you have to be, is it healthy? I don't know, I'll probably die when I'm 60, but is it, I think you need to be like that a little bit to be a super high achiever. But, uh, you know, nobody ever taught me. This is why I do this podcast with you guys, man. I'm giving you all the answers. I'm telling you, if anything, if I could just teach you how to think, it would change your life. 
it changed my life. Regardless of how my career in insurance ended, it changed my life for I will forever be grateful. Forever be grateful for the years I spent at that company, for the years I spent in that industry, for the years I spent under my mentor. I will I'm eternally grateful for that because I learned if anything. Yes, I learned how to sell. Huge skill. Yes, I refined my natural leadership ability. Amazing pickup. But more than anything else, I learned how to think. I learned how to think. All politics and this and that, what happened at the end, all that aside, I learned how to think. It's all forever be grateful. Forever be grateful. I don't regret a single year, a single moment spent. Some of it was really bad. Some of it was really great. But it taught me how to think. So now I'm able to, there's nothing now that, um, there's nothing that throws, you know, like right now, everything in my life's pretty darn good. But there's always a lot of, there's things behind the scenes that people don't see and nobody knows about. Like not even those closest to me don't know. Because it's not it's not my job to let people know. It's my job to handle it. You know what I mean? And there's just I can't wait to write a book someday. <laughs> you know, and really like let it all because someday I'm gonna write something and it's gonna lay everything out. And uh, I don't know, might sell ten copies, might sell ten million. I don't know. But uh, I, I, I don't know, I'm all over the place today. But the point is, is that, you know, I do this podcast so that I can teach you guys how to think. Because you got to understand, learning how to think properly is worth more than $50 million. I'm serious. Oh, you don't mean that. Yes, I do. Because if you don't know how to think you get $50 million, you're going to end up dead or in jail. I promise you. But if you know how to think, if you take somebody that I that knows how to think, you give me $500,000, and you give somebody else $5 million that doesn't know how to think, and fire off that starting gun and check back in in three years... There won't be, there'd be no, it won't even be close. Won't even be close. That person probably be in debt, have no money, major issues going on in their life. And it's nothing special about me. Had you given me $500,000 10 years ago, I'd be in the same situation. So I didn't know how to think. Everybody out here is looking for a shortcut. Everybody out here is looking for a handout. Everybody out here is looking for a big break. What you don't see are like the shortcuts, the big breaks. Like you're you're met with opportunity at least once a quarter, once a quarter at least. Whether that opportunity is a person or a business plan or something, something. The problem is you can't see it, you can't discern. And what I think a major advantage I have is I have discernment. I'm able when an opportunity falls in my lap most people don't even see it they don't have the sensory ability to even detect 
that it's an opportunity. I do. When you meet a person, this, you know, it's funny, I latch on to certain people. And people probably think, like, why? It's because I can discern talent. I can discern talent. Like, I might not have a job for you right now, but I might in five years. So let's keep this relationship going. People don't think like that. And again, I'm not saying I'm special. This is something that anybody can do. Anybody. But, come on, man. We don't need to be doing 30 miles an hour in a 40. This is ridiculous. You can't drive in a little bit of sprinkling water. You should stay home. People drive me nuts, man. That's another thing. I don't know. I don't think successful people move slow. All the successful people I know get shit done quick. They get it done quick and they get it done effectively. They don't go under the speed limit because they got things to do. If you're going under the speed limit and you're not old, it tells me that you got nothing good going on. You're in no hurry to get anywhere because you got nothing going on. Uh, that's all it was yesterday. I drove four, 11 hours with my kid and my wife. 10 hours with my kid and my wife. And just nothing but... It, you could just tell if anything demonstrates that the quality of the average person... This is a Mike Russell original. The quality of the average person is at all... Of course you're turning right. Is at an all-time low. When you take an average person... They have never been more despicable in human history than they are right now. And all you need to do is drive down the highway to see it. People are inconsiderate. People don't pay attention. People are slow. People are stupid. People go 20 miles an hour under the speed limit in the far left lane. People are... People suck, dude. I, I don't have any patience for the general public. I'm sorry. Not Christian-like of me. Not Christ-like of me. Very elitist of me to say. I absolutely abhor the general public. I think that every bad thing that's happening to us right now and race we deserve. All suck. I'm so tired of... Dirty, stink. I know a lot of it. 